0: Welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Hi there, it's Colin Nottage here, and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jeanette Linfoot. Jeanette has worked at a really senior level in the uh, global sort of uh, travel, leisure, hospitality industry um you know she was right at the top of ceo within um within companies like TUI, Thomas Cook, First Choice, Saga um you know a, a really amazing lady who um who's now moved her business now um does a lot of property investment now um, does a lot of mentor mentoring mentorships um and uh, and is really passionate about sort of diversity and inclusion and, and we touch on we touch on all of these factors today so anyway i'd like to uh hand over hand over to uh to jeanette jeanette thank you ever so much for uh for coming onto the uh onto the podcast and having a chat with us could you just explain a little bit about about who you are what you do
1: yeah sure honestly colin thank you so much it's a real pleasure to be here so yeah, I'm Jeanette Linfoot. Uh, I've spent most of my career in the travel industry, so 25 years in, in the travel and tourism sector. Started early life as an economist, actually, in Whitehall, because I did an economic degree, God, way back when. You can probably tell from my dulcet tones, I am a northerner. I'm a Mancunian, but I uh, did the classic, I'll go to London for two years, and that was 25 years ago, you know. So I'm still, I'm still down, down in London, but, um, but a, a northerner at heart. Um, and yeah, so, so I kind of progressed through the travel industry um, and as I say, to the point of becoming the last exec role I did was CEO of the travel division for Saga. So I had a portfolio of four businesses um, and then I decided to jump out of the corporate world about two years ago um, and because I wanted really to build a portfolio of different businesses and to have more variety and kind of choice flexibility. So I now have uh, three businesses I have a mentoring business, I have a board advisory business, which I work with private equity clients on, mainly on mergers and acquisitions. And then we have our property investing business as well. So kind of a nice mix, if you like, now.
0: No, that's, um, <clears throat> that sounds really, really interesting. And uh, I mean, how did you find that jump out of the corporate world then? Was it, was it quite an easy jump to, to make? When I mean, were you ready to, to go, or was it a bit of a tear?
1: Um, a kind of a combination, sort of an evolution really, Colin, to be honest, I didn't really fast forward and think, oh, you know, this is exactly what I wanted to do. It was sort of through a process of thinking about what was important in my life and did I want to be, you know, 100 miles an hour foot to the floor with one sort of big corporate role or did I want more flexibility? So it, it was a transition, I would say, which was quite an enjoyable one because what ended up happening was I decided to come out of corporate and I just thought, I, I just want to give myself a bit of time to kind of think what, what I want to do. But because I had some great um, contacts in my network, especially on the mergers and acquisitions side, because I've done a lot of that in my corporate life, I that started my board advisory business. So that was almost like an extension of my corporate life to a certain degree. And then from there, I then added on, you know, the property investing business and the business and the mentoring business that I have now. So it was sort of an evolution. Um, but it's it's great actually. I really enjoy it because I'm fascinated by how. You can bring kind of the corporate um, aspect to an entrepreneurial world. And and Mm -hmm. actually, people often talk in that. I mean, you'll know from your work in Health and Safety, they'll kind of one being good, one being bad very often. Mm -hmm. And I I don't believe that. I think they're just different. So I quite like intersection um, and how you can have sort of some of maybe the more structure and, and kind of professionalism, if you like, that comes with the sort of big business approach. But with the agility and the creativeness of, of more, you know, smaller businesses, so yeah, I've kind of got that nice combination. I think now, which is which is great.
0: I think that's um, you know, that's a really good point you raise there because, you know, when you're, you know, I, I I stepped out of I stepped out of the corporate life um and to to do to do my thing and um and and to begin with, it's it's all of it's all of the passion, it's all of the excitement, it's all of the the, the thousand and one ideas that you've got in your head about what you want to do. But then you get to a point where you've you've been successful and then you realise that you've actually, you've got to get some process, you've got to get some system. If you want to, if you want to scale the business, if you want to make the business more successful, then you've got to start, you've got to start sort of, not not towing the corporate line, but you've just got to get some structure in place, haven't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it is that right combination. There's no, there's no one size fits all. I think it's it's what Mm -hmm. else makes sense. You know, particularly, you know, for you, when you talk about health and safety, you know, there are. There are some mandatory aspects, aren't there, that are sort of hygiene factors that just have to be there. And then there's sort of other things that you can do around that to to, to kind of fit a, a business that's, that's appropriate and relevant for them. So I think it's, it's just that solution that is right for, yeah. for your business and the size of business and the kind of stage that you're at in growth and, and also what your aspirations are. Because it's nothing wrong with just having a very small you know um what is you know sole trader kind of business there's nothing wrong with that at all but if you've got aspirations for growth then you you are probably to your point having to to put some structure and some processes in place really to help you get there. You know?
0: and i think it's accountability as well isn't it it's having you know it's having somebody we, we, we've got a growth coach um in our business and it's just somebody that that just challenges and and just asks the right questions and you know yeah. it doesn't it doesn't let you get away with drifting i think you know and, and that's i think that's really important you know
1: yeah yeah i think that's right i mean you know that kind of role i mean that's sort of a, a bit of the role that i do with the advisory work when i work with my private equity clients i give them the honest view you know i can often hold the mirror up and say well where does this fit and is this a good business or you know it, you should, you, are you overpaying for it? all those aspects because having it is slightly more independent um i think allows that challenge to happen doesn't it and it's, it's similar with mentoring really isn't it whether you're advising or mentoring it, it's someone that's going to kind of constructively challenge and i think that's great you've got that in your business i love the title was it growth um growth coach growth it's, coach after nick that
0: can have that one, one. <laughs> yeah but it's um, yeah i mean it's you know it's, it's 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 good it's great so i mean just on the mergers and acquisitions side of it then um you know i i've i've not been involved in in many but i've i've been involved in a couple and um and there's always there's always a lot of uh, a lot of focus done due diligence done on the on the financial side of it and all that kind of stuff but, but sometimes i feel that the you know the, sort of the health and safety side of it gets overlooked i mean what what are your views on that i mean you know when you're when you're working with organizations do well, they spend a lot of time looking at the health and safety aspects
1: um it's definitely for me it's a definitely a core part of of the business i mean you know i've run big travel businesses um so so when you've re- when you when you have customer facing businesses in in particular travel space you know you've got very very stringent um, requirements that you need to meet because ultimately when you're sending people overseas on holiday you have a duty of care you know yeah. and that's very extensive in in the industry that I've come from you know in terms of how high are the balcony you know how high the balcony is um, are there markings around the pool? How long are the corridors <clears throat> for, from a fire point of view? You know, So I've always been very, very um, uh, in tune with health and safety because I've also had to deal with a number of incidents, unfortunately, of deaths in, in a destination or things that go on mm-hmm. to make sure that you have absolutely got, you can't cover everything. You know, Things can happen that, that even if you've got the best policies in place, unfortunately, there can be incidents but you want to minimise the risk of that, do the right thing by the customers. So for me, health and safety has always been a really core part of my role. And as a company director, essentially, you know, I was always responsible and on the hook for, you know, anything related to health and safety, um, corporate manslaughter, um, you know, anti-bribery and corruption, which I know is not health and safety, but, you know, you have to be responsible as a leader. So I guess for me, because I've kind of come from... Those operational businesses of running businesses with, with you know thousands of employees and, and customers millions of customers for me when when I'm helping a, a client on mergers and acquisitions and it's mainly in the travel leisure hospitality space that I, I work and um, health and safety will always be part of the due diligence
0: mm-hmm.
1: I know the implications of one it's the right thing to do and two I also know the implications of, of when it goes wrong that you do not want position and if you're buying a business you need to know what's in it you have to get on it um and that is one core area i believe so so now i'm i've always been very tuned um and been on the hook for health and safety as well just because of being you know company directors
0: mm. oh that's i mean that's great that's great to hear and you know and i suppose you know from a from a travel side of things you know you you know you we hear stories of uh you know, the um, carbon monoxide deaths and things like yes. that, you know, and it's it's, 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 big, it's big news, isn't it? It's big news. It has a big impact. It has a big impact on the on the individuals that have been affected, but also on the brand and the company and, you know, making yeah. that wrong call can, can, can be quite devastating, on not it?
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, you know, the, the Thomas Cook case, um, mm-hmm. where unfortunately the, uh, the children, you know, died from the carbon monoxide poisons, you know, that that Time I was actually a um, product director at First Choice, and right. First Choice also used that same hotel. And um, you know, so it, it, the reality and, and actually with the health and safety in that particular case, not wanting to kind of comment too much on the detail, but it, it, it wouldn't necessarily have been picked up, to mm-hmm. be honest. You know, because this was an issue about some pipe work between two bedrooms. You know, it wasn't an obvious kind of necessarily something that would have been on the radar, but mm-hmm. nonetheless. The key lesson there was the PR fallout. Well, one, obviously the tragic for the family, clearly that's the priority, but just the way Thomas Cook handled it was so poor. I mean, it was almost a lesson of how not to do it. Mm-hmm. The brand damage caused as a result of getting that wrong um, was, was absolutely crucifying for them, really, mm-hmm. as a brand. So you're absolutely right. One, it's the right thing to do. You're talking about people's lives in, in lots of places. Um, but also from, the, from a company point of view, it has massive implications. I think you've got to be responsible as a leader and be aware of all of that.
0: No, definitely. You, I mean, you're, um, you know, you're still working at quite a high level within the travel, within the travel sector. Are you still, you're still, you're, what was you've recently been appointed onto a board? Have you? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah, I have. Oh,
1: good. Thank you, Colin. That's very <laughs> no nice to be aware of that. Yeah, so I've just joined um, a board of, of the um, Founders Factory Right. Um, it's, a tra- it's, it's again focused on travel, it's an advisory board and basically what the Founders Factory does, it's a really cool organisation, it was set up by Brent Hoberman who was the founder of lastminute.com so he was kind of leading the way really when the whole dot com you know explosion kind of happened and so anyway it was set, set up by him and it's multi-sector so they have Founders Factory for travel, retail, uh, media so different sectors which is what I like so I I'm in that travel bit mm-hmm. and you have corporate sponsor, if you like, of the sector. Mm-hmm. And the corporate sponsor kind of comes together with entrepreneurial startup businesses. So it's this lovely, you know, kind of intersection between a corporate big business. In the case of travel, the sponsor is EasyJet. Mm-hmm. So they put X amount into almost like a fund, if you like. Yep. And then allows them to partly support the running costs of the founders factory, but also gives them the opportunity to invest in some of these early startup innovative businesses. Mm-hmm. Because in corporate, you won't necessarily get the innovation. It often gets, you know, kind of strangled by the whole process and the bureaucracy you get in a big business. And for the, for the startup, it gives them access to kind of um, experience and, and knowledge as to, to your point earlier, how do you take some elements of that corporate and apply it to their relatively small business so that they can scale up and grow. So it's a really lovely kind of mutually beneficial relationship. So, yes, yeah, so I've just joined that board, which is going to be i'm going to be mentoring some of these early phase businesses um and of course there's an opportunity for me to invest as well, which is mm-hmm.
0: nice <laughs> fantastic i mean with, um, you know on that i mean, one of the things i think that the you know that the travel industry is is facing is um is is people's trust i suppose in you know in, in, actual, in actually starting to travel safely again and uh you know and that's you know i think that's you know get people getting over that fear of of actually either stepping on a plane or whatever it whatever it may be however they're going to get to their destination is that is that the sort of thing that you're you know you're you're working with with these these businesses about how to how to get that, that that trust back
1: yeah i mean it's a really critical point you make colin because you're absolutely right customer trust is everything it's very much linked to the brand values and the way that i think businesses treat their customers during this time whether it's a travel business or any business is is absolutely telling because customers do vote with their feet they do remember how they've been treated in the tough times as well as the good times so i think that that is a really key part i'm not directly working um well i was working on three um deals pre-covid all of those are now on hold because you can understand you know the the buyer the vendor doesn't really know what shape the business is going to be in uh, coming out of this and the buyer clearly also doesn't know how the industry is going to be impacted and what that might mean for the valuation of that business you know the price etc so those are old at the moment but what i am seeing because i'm very sort of plugged into the industry still is that you know a lot of hotels for example you know they're coming up with very very stringent kind of processes and procedures as to how they can apply social distancing in the mm-hmm. hotels you know so that will be all sorts of things like in the restaurant obviously you've got to have hand sanitizer everywhere in the restaurant you know there's going to be fewer tables they'll be or oh, two meters apart you know the capacity the opening times of restaurants will be will be longer because of course they'll be running at sort of 50 percent capacity not 100 percent capacity and um, the cleaning you know they'll be doing more deep cleaning um bedrooms you know so there's a whole kind of long long sort of checklist and um, so i'm kind of privy to that although i'm not or not being responsible for the practical application of it. And yep. The same, you know, for, you know, on aircraft, again, you know, th- there's a question around is it actually practical to be able to apply some of this stuff? And mm-hmm. Therefore, you can't apply, you know, if you're on an aircraft, you know, if you're taking out the middle seat, for example, it, you know, commercially, does that actually work for the airline? Is it viable? You know, does it make sense to run that flight? Mm-hmm. All of those aspects come in. And so if you can't social distance, then you know, you obviously you need PPE. So it's, it's, a topical, it's a topical area, but I think every single business is just taking a really good hard look at what do they need to do differently. And, and that's going to become the new norm, isn't it? I don't think we'll ever travel in the same way as we did before. I mean, it's going to take a long time for the sector to come back. There's going to be business failures during this time. Well, those businesses that respond well they respond you know they have processes and they are published you know and shared with the customers so they know what to expect and they can gain confidence those are going to be the businesses that win and health and safety within all of that is just is the thread that runs through everything isn't it so you know it's it, it has to be sorted out has to be there for sure
0: no it's um you know it's interesting I was chatting to somebody um quite recently about about um about flights and 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 it was, we had completely different views on on, on what was going to happen. It was really interesting, you know, really intelligent person I was chatting with. And, um, you know, and he, he, he sort of felt that, that, that travel was going to get really cheap because the airlines that were going to want to get people back in the planes fly and flying again. And I thought, you know, I reckon it's just going to get really expensive. And, um, and you know, and what they're going to do is they're going to have less people on the plane. And if you want to go by plane, then you're going to have to pay for it. I've no idea what the outcome of that is going to be, <laughs> but I think that's that's almost like our world at the moment, isn't it? There's these these two views to absolutely everything that's going on, and uh, you know, and everybody's everybody's battling their way through it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I
1: mean, the reality is it's kind of down to supply and demand at the end of the day, you know, because yeah. it depends on how much capacity there is, and it depends on you know how demand, how, how the level of consumer confidence is in order for people to travel again. So I think you know the pricing will you know, in the short term, you could see some really attractive prices to encourage people, as well as all of the, you know, the kind of procedure. I think there's probably two camps of customers as well. Mm-hmm. There's those that probably go, oh, gosh, no, well, why would I take the risk? I'll just, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll holiday in the UK, so domestic tourism will do very well, um, or do better, shall we say, than, than maybe in a short period of time. And then there's those people that kind of go, well, you know, I've looked at sort of the level of infection rate, you know if I'm going to a country where there's a low incidence like somewhere like Greece or Portugal, you know I'm probably actually as safe there as well. as I am at home, and as long as i, I can get comfortable with the flight um, and, well actually, I may as well go you know so I think it's going to be a mixed bag in reality
0: yeah, and no, I think I think, you're, I think you're right there it's um you know, and we won't we won't go onto the topic of the uh, of the fourteen day quarantine when people come back. because We can spend all day talking about it. Talking exactly,
1: about. yeah, well avoided.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, because again, you know, you know what's interesting there when you're when you're talking about, you know, we're talking about how important you know trust and, and, and honesty and openness is for the customer. You know, from a workplace perspective, it's it's really important for the employees as well. You know, the people that are doing the jobs, that you know, the people that are that are are serving the customers, that are working the tills. You know, people people get really frightened by the fact that they are they're going to have to be interacting with people that they've got no idea about about their history. And and I think you know, getting over that is going to be is going to be quite a it's going to be quite a battle for companies, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. And 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 also, I guess because people working from home has actually worked quite well in a lot of sectors as well, hasn't it? That, you mm-hmm. know, um, I was listening to, uh, to some, uh, a chap on the news today and he was, he was in uh, in financial services. So essentially, can work really remotely and serve the clients just as well as if he was physically in the office. And he was saying his business um, has decided that quite a big big organisation in the city, in London, they've just told everyone today that they will not be going back in the office until the start of next year. Really, wow have to, you know, and every the technology is working, but of course there are um, you know, industries like retail, etc where you you physically have to be there to serve the clients. And again, I think it's around what the what the leadership does to give the comfort to to their, their employees. And I think there's gonna have to be a degree of flexibility around that because people's circumstances are a bit different, aren't they? You know, if you've got a vulnerable child or, or you know elderly parent at home for example that you're caring for you're probably going to be more reluctant to go back mm-hmm. than one who maybe hasn't got those factors to think about so again I think not one size fits all necessarily and I think it's that one-to-one conversation around what makes sense for that person
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but but you're right again it's just it's it's the processes and and this kind of stuff it's often less glamorous or perceived as less glamorous <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think. It, through this, it's just raised the awareness, hasn't it, Colin? I mean, I'm sure you see this just how critical health and safety is, mm-hmm. and it's crossed such a broad range mm-hmm. um, now. That for you, for you, in your business, um, I would imagine your services are being far higher demand probably than they've ever been because of all of. this. Yeah,
0: well. you no, know, you know we are we're, we're very busy, and I, and I think you know what also is is that we we are changing the way that we are we are providing support to our clients so you know so a a lot of people have been reluctant to uh have people on site um Mm. you know and so so we are using technology much much more now and and and, uh, you know for me it's gonna be a real benefit you know i I spend a lot of time in scotland um with clients some really great clients up there and and, you know we've just been chatting about you know about doing things over over zoom and over microsoft Mm. teams and stuff like that more A a lot of the a lot of the, the sort of boring compliancy stuff you can you can yeah. do remotely but um but also let's not lose the interaction with imp- with the people with the with the yeah. staff with it because because ultimately that's you know good health and safety is about is about that that communication that interaction you know so, so it's mm. just getting that balance but the balance is is is, is shifting you know definitely shifting you
1: know? yeah i mean for me it should never be a tick box exercise either i think sometimes mm. it's they, they almost, you know, they, they kind of do the bare minimum, enough to say that they've got a health and safety policy and it's written down, but are they walking the walk and, and talking, you know, or are they just talking the walk? And, and I think those businesses that, that actually do it well are those that it's, it's embedded right at the top of the organisation, so the culture, you know, kind of trickles all the way down, really, and everyone understands why you're doing it and it's <laughs> critical. You know, and as I say, for, for the, I mean, in the property world as well, you know, I mean, health and safety goes across every single sector, doesn't it? Yep. In, in, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's the thing. Um, you have to act responsibly for your customers, mm-hmm. teams, you know, and for your suppliers. Mm-hmm. If you think, and, and, and it's not just health and safety, it's all the other things. You know, I mentioned earlier anti bribery and corruption, you know, doing things, doing business the right way, doing business responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, It's much more of a of a thing, you know. Anything like, um, you know, the anti-slavery act that was introduced a few years ago, you know, that has massive implications because Mm -hmm. if you have a business where you've got a very long supply chain, as well, Mm -hmm. that's very difficult to to practically implement. You know, how do I know if I've got a hotel that we're working with that they've not got a twelve-year-old child washing pots in the kitchen in Mm Because mm. the supply chain is so long, um, it can be very, very difficult. But so I think health and safety is obviously you know quite a specific area. But there's a broader piece around responsible leadership and, and all of those things as well that comes along with it.
0: Mm. I mean, I you know. I hate it when stuff does get compartmentalised, you know, I, I, you know, okay, I've, I've called this the, the health and safety podcast. So in a way I've compartmentalised myself, but, but it's just, um, you know, it really is about, um, it's about getting an environment where people are just really comfortable to, to talk about, about stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and, and just be really comfortable to do that. And and, 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 the senior management encouraging people to be open and, and talk and, and, and and if you get that environment, then you're going to get benefits everywhere. You're going to get benefits in all different aspects of your business, you know. Mm. So it's uh, you know, it really is about uh, about generating that or get getting that environment working.
1: Yeah, and it can give you a commercial advantage as well. You know, in particular, you know, I think and I, I think that's what we'll start to see come out of this. Those businesses that do all of this well will benefit because they're seen as they're seen and they actually are protecting the customer, doing the right thing for the customer, for their teams. And, you know, if you've got that versus uh, a business that doesn't do it so well, as a, as a consumer, you're going to make a choice, right, about who to be mm-hmm. back. Um, and so I actually think it, it's it's obviously the core thing is doing it because you want to keep safe and and everyone well, et cetera. But there is a commercial benefit for those that do it well, do it better than maybe some others as well, which mm-hmm. just adds to the case, doesn't it, really?
0: No, no. Um, one thing I'd like to have a little chat about is, uh, you know, when I, again, when I've had a look at your website, okay, um, there was a um, there was a line on there, champion for diversity, okay, mm. and and, um, and and when I look at when I look at the health and safety profession in the UK, all right, and, I, and I'm talking specifically about the UK, and I go along to to meetings with uh, like IOSH and, and stuff like that. But typically, I walk into a room of Forty to sixty-year-old grumpy men, white men, okay, are a little bit overweight. Okay, you now I'm being, I'm being really, and I fall, I fall totally into that bracket. Okay, how, how do we, how do we, as a, as a, as a, as a, as an industry, as a group, how do we, how do we break that? How do we, how do we move out of that? Now?
1: Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's something I feel really passionate about. Anyway, about d- diversity in general, and of course, gender diversity is just one aspect of diversity. Mm-hmm. it's I mean, I'm, I'm a woman, so I'm slightly biased in, in in that sense. Of course, you know. So, so I've done a lot on gender diversity, but it could be any level of diversity we're talking about, really, aren't we? You know, mm, around. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and and it's and it is tricky because there are certain sectors uh, that are more heavily entrenched with, with, as you described, kind of white male centric approach to, to the sector mm-hmm. so I, I mean it, there's never one thing so some of it is around um the pipeline the talent mm-hmm. coming through and how do you attract um you know, women into the business early on and and show that it's a career choice for them mm-hmm. so it can be you know as simple as going into schools and um, and and giving talks to you know to boys and girls at quite a young young age when they're thinking about where their careers might go or what they might want their further education to be to sort of show that this is a possibility for them. And actually, it's really interesting area to get into that's wide-reaching and all the benefits to stop. Some of it is about the pipeline and how do you attract people in at the sort of more junior levels. The next thing is around how do you develop and support those people, you know, through their career progression so that, there are promotions coming their way, and and then you do start to gather momentum. Because very often, you can end up with a scenario where there's just no role models. Now, Mm -hmm. that can take time, you know, because if you... People need to see um, that this could be a choice for me. So I could be, you know, a female CEO of a health and safety business. Well, where are the examples, you know, Mm -hmm. that someone can actually go, yeah, that could be me too. So I think it's 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 around making diversity inclusion a real strategic priority for the yep. business. As well, yep. um, I think you know it has to come from the top. It has to be a culture, and then it's it should also, in my opinion, have some some hard metrics around it. I don't believe in quotas myself. I think it nope. should always be the best person for the job. But that doesn't mean to say you can't have some some quite strong KPIs that you measure against that are actually discussed you know if you have a monthly board meeting it should be on there as a standing agenda item if you're really serious about it not just something that's discussed at the end of the meeting so there's lots of practical things that businesses can do to to kind of put those things into place and it's proven that diverse boards perform significantly better financially because you know which makes sense because your client base your customer base isn't all white male You know, you've got got women in there. You're not representing your customers at board level. And it's just having a diverse thought process as well and having that balance. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's much, Colin, around processes, recruitment, talent development, role models, um, and then mentoring. Very often, you know, sometimes as as women, you know, women are not better or worse than men or vice versa. We're we're just different, aren't we? And and Mm -hmm. we think we might consider things different. But sometimes, you know, women can hold themselves back as well um, mm-hmm. because they put blockers. You know, there's, there's loads of examples where, for say, someone, a woman might be looking at a, a job um, availability, a, a job profile, and, you know, she might look at it and go, "Oh, there's 30% that I, I you know, I can't, I've not got the experience of, so i will not even apply. Mm-hmm. Again, he will very often, you know, he almost won't see the 30%, he will see the 70% and go, oh, I'm great at that. I'm just going to push myself apply you know yeah. so some things around those kind of mental blockers all about self-belief and mindset can can almost stop women in their tracks before they get going now having strong role models mentors coaches can really help um, it makes sense to the business it makes sense for the individual and it makes sense for the customer so it is a weird thing but it's quite you have to you have to pick it off with lots of different initiatives it's never just one thing um, it's something I feel really
0: passionate about. It came over as well. It was lovely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I <couldn't tell. laughs> but,
0: but I I mean I want I wanted to I wanted to raise it because I, I, I really feel like you do that, that you know there's a there's a big role for you know for us for, for our associations to play, you know, for the you know the our institutions that, that are there to to help transform the industry into something that's that's modern. You know, it's got you know, you know. The, I've I've called this the interest in health and safety podcast because most people think health and safety is really boring, and you know, and, and so so just you know, we're just trying a challenge. We're just trying to get people to think differently, and and that, that and that's got to be right across the board. Everything we've got to challenge everything, shake it up, turn it turn it upside down, you know, because it's yeah. uh, it's very old school.
1: I think also when businesses are very, you know, they don't have diversity in their business at all, sometimes they almost are scared to start or they don't even want to talk about the topic because they feel a bit vulnerable as, as a business. And I think starting the conversation, acknowledging where where you are as an organization and then kind of scoping out where you want to be, and then putting a plan in place to kind of get there. Is, is really important but start you know start the conversation and um, even if your starting point is quite low because you haven't got a lot of diversity at least you've acknowledged it and then you think about it and sometimes leaders businesses can feel a bit vulnerable in this case and yeah. therefore rather than take it on and um, for all the right reasons we've just spoke about they avoid it and they don't do that and that's the worst thing that you can do I mean sometimes as I will work with businesses in an advisory capacity on diversity and inclusion because I'm not there to judge right I am there to to help to help improve what they've got so sometimes it is just actually having someone that can take a very neutral view of your business with you in a safe Mm -hmm. place to do that and then to come up with okay well where do we want to be where do we want to to sort of shift the dial and how we're going to measure it how we're going to make sure this is embedded into Know, business as usual over a period of time. Um, mm. It's a connected area, actually, and it, it does, it, it's something that kind of really annoys me. I've nearly always been the only woman in the boardroom with a p You tend to get HR, and there's nothing, you know, great, nothing wrong with that at all, you tend to have the HR director that is more often female. I quite like it when you get a male HR director, because, again, that's a different yeah. plan, you know. I've nearly always been the only woman with, um responsible for running a big business on a a commercial basis so i know what it feels like to be that soul like a little wolf
0: (laughs) yeah hey let's um let's 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 break it you know let's break let's break the mold and uh you know and put something (laughs) uh, put something new out there and uh you know let's look because it it needs it you know you you know if you if you're not if you're not shaking things up if you're not challenging if you're not um you know trying to trying to do things a bit differently then then you're not you're not growing and as an individual you know and that's uh, and I think you know for me you know um you know we we hit our 100 podcast in the last couple of days and I
1: guess. Uh,
0: it's been brilliant but I've learned so much I've learned so much about myself but but also about about just different ways of doing things and it's and it's just been it's been a it's been a amazing an amazing experience you know and, and you're just um you're just about to start your podcast journey I believe are you
1: I am indeed. You've inspired me, Colin. What can I say, honestly? <laughs> No, really, you have. And um, Yeah, so I've made a decision that I'm going to start my own podcast. I'm at the earliest stages of sort of refining you know, the proposition exactly and, right. and the, 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 the brand and the music and all that kind of stuff, so you'll have gone through all of that. But um, mm. well, I'm really keen to get going, to be honest, and, and obviously with technology as well, you can move quite fast with this kind of thing if you've got the right support so yeah what I thought would be really nice um because I do I've got my business mentoring i my mentoring business and yep. I one of the things I feel really passionate about as well as lots of things about diversity etc is around this idea that everyone has kind of greatness within them mm. and actually everyone can achieve amazing things and live the life that they want to live but some, so, so this idea of kind of being brave and mm. pushing out of your comfort zone as a starting point, and then being bold, i.e., making the, the, the biggest impact you can, um, and then being brilliant when just everything all the stars align and you can really shine. You know, so this idea of these sort of three areas is where I focus my mentoring as well on my mentoring, sort of great bold, brilliant, it's sort of become a bit of my strap line because yeah. it's all around. How do you unlock your true potential as a in as a business or as a career as you as an individual um, so it's going to be along those themes I'm not sure exactly it might just simply be the be bold, brave, brilliant, oh no be brave bold brilliant <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I mean I, I really I really like that i mean i love you know I, I love that word brave i I just think that um you know that you know it's, it's it is it' is, it's, it's taking that it's taking that step and you know and and from a you know again just from a health and safety perspective you know if if you can generate an an environment in your workplace where where people are are brave and and bold about about the about the decisions that they're making and 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 comfortable to you know to 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 raise their hand to talk to want to Mm -hmm. to want to improve and you're just going to be in in such a fantastic place and you know, I, I, I'm I'm just doing a bit of work with a company at the moment and they're so hung up on on accident statistics. Okay, and, and trying to get their accident statistics down. Where whereas I'm sort of saying to them, look, don't don't get your accident statistics down. When I say don't do it, don't measure it to death like you are. But measure start measuring the positive contributions that people are making in your workplace and, and the contributions that they're making to themselves. Um yeah. because, because then you've then you've got some really amazing, amazing things going on, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and the accidents will are gonna to start to sort themselves out because people are just being just people are just being amazing, you know. So uh, you know that's
1: yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of flick on its head, isn't it? Because I think that obviously you're applying it in the context of health and safety, which is which is key, but I think there's also a, a general theme there around People are very often so focused on what they're going to lose, you know, some fear of loss or fear of embarrassment or fear of whatever people judging. So they're really focusing on the negatives of what they're going to lose, yeah. but they don't often focus on what they're going to gain. Um, you've just described there, I think, is a, is a really practical application of that in reality. So as a business, you know, don't just focus on the negative. And, and yes, you want to measure, measure these things. It's important to have metrics. but actually. What's the measurement of the gains? And that could be, you know, quite far reaching, couldn't it? Um, so I like that approach you've got, Colin, because I think sometimes it, people won't always think that way um, and it's really healthy to do so. And it encourages you, you, know, if you think, if your purpose and what you've got to gain is so compelling, you will be brave and take the first step. And then once you've taken the first step, whatever it is, you've then got the opportunity to be bolder with your dreams with your plans with the impact you can make in this world so it's all interlinked but it is flipping that switch isn't it and actually that gosh you've got so much to go for here as a business individual that it really galvanizes you um, you know rather than rather than let the fear stop you even starting mm-hmm
0: and it's you know and, and I'm, I'm, i've I've written that down i love that you know don't focus on what you're going to lose focus on what you will gain and i'm gonna i'm gonna do an episode on that my podcast. so thank you thank you very much for giving me a little title to topic to talk to think about that because you know it's almost like you know again from health and safety it's probably the only part of the business where you know where you've got that rich, you know pretty much everywhere else you're encouraged to 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 take chances and to you know and to, to, to do things and you know, well we'll invest we'll invest in this, this bit of marketing or whatever, which is a total mm-hmm. total risk, it You know, and um but but you do it because it's it's the right thing to do. And yet we get to wealth and safety and it's very, very easy to, to sort of crawl, crawl up into a little ball a bit and you know, yeah. and not take that risk, not take that chance and you know, and that's you know that's what we've got to do. I mean people, get people comfortable to to take risks in a controlled way.
1: I think yeah, hundred percent. I think businesses, you know, certainly businesses that I've ran and been in in the past, you know, sometimes businesses are so focused on the downside risk, which again is linked to this idea of what you're going to lose, you know, protect the downside. Mm. technically, and the door, that they missed um, the upside risk, i.e. the opportunity cost of not doing something.
0: Yeah,
1: that's an investment or new health and safety initiative or whatever it may be, and again, it's that. It's 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 the um the attitudes risk and not always focus on the downside risk, but focus on the upside risk, the lost yes. opportunity mm-hmm. of not, not doing something. And and very often I think businesses kind of miss that. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, um, going back to going back to your podcast then, when are you when are you hoping to uh, to get your get your episode out?
1: Um, well, I haven't got an exact date, but I do need to get a date because then that's going to force me. I need to be out there, don't I? So, um, you know, so I would... set it,
0: so let's set it now then. So what are we on? We're on the 5th of June. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, on the 30th of June. Fantastic. That's, a, that's absolutely brilliant.
1: <laughs> well, I I do think you know a time frame that's going to be early July, end of June, early July is is, is what I should go for. Yes, yeah? so I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not pushing against you too much there. <laughs> no, really.
0: So what well, are we going there? So the first of July. Is, are you starting on a Wednesday? What day? What day of the week do you want your first episode out?
1: I haven't decided yet, actually, that, so it, it, let's say that it's going to be week men's in the 29th of June, and then we can see which, see which day we
0: go. <laughs> right then, I'm going to be, I'm going to be your accountability buddy now, and I'm going to, uh, i to... <laughs> love it, I love it. <laughs> no, but honestly, I think, um you know, for me, uh I mean, I've been, I've been heavily, heavily influenced by, um, by a guy called Rob Moore, and I know you have as well. You know, in, in, hey. you know, and that's how that's how we met. um, You know, through some of the programs that he runs. But he's very much about getting, you know, start now, get perfect later, isn't he? And and I and I, I, if I listen back to my first episodes, okay, I know I know that um that they they aren't as good as what we're doing now. Um, but I've listened to you on 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 your your Facebook lives and that sort of stuff. You're gonna you're gonna hit it really really well because you know you've just got a great a great way about you, and it's uh. And, you know, so just get it, just get it out there. And you'll, you'll, you're, you know, and I'll tell you what will become so unimportant right, is the music and the, and the, <laughs> and the logo <laughs> and all the, all the things that you're focusing on now actually won't matter too much. You know, and what it will be is it will be, where can I get the next really great guest? To talk to and, um, you know, and because, you know, cause what I found is, that, you know, how I do my podcast is there's a. There's a, a a bit of a uh, you know a bit of info that I give out on, on a short episode, and then and then hopefully a really great interview, and and I, I, found, I found for me that balance works. I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you what to do; I'm just telling you what works for me. And um, and and we've got we've had some brilliant brilliant guests on, and by getting brilliant guests on, br- other brilliant guests all of a sudden want to get involved, you know, and yeah. that maybe wouldn't have done a while ago. And um, you know, so it's. It's really, it's really great. It's really great fun. Have you got, have you got an idea of the people you want to talk to Then What's we'll up, you know, what what kind of people are you going to get involved with this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, this is why I, I like the, the sort of the whole idea about brave, bold, brilliant, because it, it transfers, you know, quite across different sectors of business. It could be, you know, corporate, entrepreneurial, it could be property related, travel related, just general kind of, um, uh, sort of people that have, have achieved uh, a lot as entrepreneurs, for example. So for me, um, I'm quite lucky because my network is quite broad, you know, I've, been around, I've been around the block, so I, I know quite a lot of people. And that, I've also done a lot of business overseas, so some of my guests will be international as well, um, you know, which is a different dimension as well. We boards have businesses in Russia, China, India, Brazil. You know, and I've still got really good relationships in those parts of the world. I've got actually um, some really close colleagues, ex-colleagues in Portugal, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I would like to to have quite a broad range of guests that are not just all travel or all just property or or all women. So I want to really make sure that I'm kind of going across the piece that the international aspects might be a different dimension as well, perspective to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've got, I've got a long list, actually. Obviously, you will be on the list as well, Colin, because I love what you're doing. Yeah. No, seriously, I find it really... I mean, we met, didn't we, on a really inspiring course that we did together. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, just, I just think, again, you know, you're, you've made that move out of corporate mm-hmm. into entrepreneurial. You're, you're leading the way with health and safety, but doing it in a way that is very congruent with your values, and mm-hmm. I Innovation and shaking it up, and wanting to really reposition your industry, I find it fascinating. Mm. You know, so so yes, yeah, so you would be a wonderful person.
0: To- <laughs> <laughs> and we've got some. Um, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm doing some work with another another health and safety um podcaster, a guy called James McPherson, and he does a thing called rebranding safety. And he's um you know, a guy in his in his mid mid to late twenties, and he's he's got such a great way about him, and we are. We're working together on some some really great stuff that uh, you know that is gonna that is gonna make a difference, and that is you know and that that will be coming out soon. But that's that is just so exciting, you know. To yeah. you know to 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 you know, yeah. I, I talked to lots of experienced people that have that have, that have done this stuff, but. I'm also chatting to some really, really great people that are emerging, that are coming through. So it's not, it's not all doom and gloom for our sector, you know. What I mean, but we've just got to make it even better, you know, even better. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And 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 to your point earlier, you know, I mean, it could be a really great career choice for women, mm. for anyone, you know, because mm. it's so far-reaching and it's so linked to brand positioning, customer offering. You know, it really does. It's not actually really health, and of course it's health and safety, but it's got so much more kind of tentacles to it, hasn't it, really, mm-hmm. that you apply in the right way. And as you say, the way that you apply it and the, the values sitting behind it really open up a, a whole load of different opportunities that businesses probably never thought in that way. So I think it's great. And in your collaboration um with James... As, again, it, that's great because he'll come up from a different perspective, Wendy. Yeah. And two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when you've been in, the, in an industry a long time. You know, people make the mistake thinking that they're the gurus, they know it all, they've been there, they've got the T-shirt, and, and actually don't always listen from the newbies coming up the ranks who are, you know, probably in a different way. Uh, and that's what I like with this founders factory that I'm involved in because you've got some really entrepreneurial, innovative, high tech kind of approach to doing business that's yep. challenging mm. the established norms of, of mm. big business. And I love that. I love that combination. I think it's really powerful. Um, mm-hmm. So it's great. I love it.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be really, uh, it's going to be really exciting. And, uh, you know, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's cool. Um, if I, if I was going to say to you then what, um you know, what, what, if you were going if you wanted, if you were going into a business and and you, you really wanted to improve the health and safety performance of that business, what one or, or two <laughs> steps do you think are the are the key things maybe that, that the senior management team need to need to, to do to, to to make it happen?
1: I mean, I think the uh, the first thing is uh, making it a strategic priority um, by mm-hmm. whether it's the CEO or at board level. I think because once you've done that, you've then, you've then kind of, you're, you're kicking an open door, aren't you, in terms of wanting really, you at know, looking properly. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, almost in order where you are, where's your starting point, um, what's currently in, in there, and then where do you want to be, mm-hmm. um, having a, a plan that, that you can really, you know, you, it, it, it's discussed at every board meeting, you've got... You've got an actionable set of um, uh, things that you're going to put in place to help you get from A to B. Yeah. So I think those, those are things. And a and, and sort of slightly, I know it's not just one thing, but I think there's a piece around the culture and, and explaining why it's so important, the benefits to, to what we were talking about before. This isn't just around doing it because you have to do, it's actually adding value to the customer or to, to you in the workplace. And I think getting people excited about it, maybe shaking up some of those traditional views mm-hmm. to showcase you know the benefits and how it can really, really commercialise but also make the customer experience better. Mm-hmm. I think if you, you know, threads together, then you start to get people excited and it becomes rather than oh God, it's a bit of a pain, I've got to do this health and safety stuff, to actually go in, yeah, this is brilliant, I totally. Get it. And then yeah, everyone's sort of going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. A few thoughts I would have.
0: That's uh, that's that's brilliant. That's absolutely wonderful. Jeanette, how um, how do people get hold of you then? What's um you know what's the best way if somebody if somebody wanted to follow up and, and have a chat about the uh, the bold, brave and brilliant approach? How how do they do that?
1: Um yeah, so I'm I mean I'm on social media, so Facebook, Jeanette Linfoot. I've got a page on there. I've got my own personal profile, LinkedIn, Instagram, and then my website is Jeanette LinfootAssociates dot
0: That's fantastic. Thank you ever so much.
1: Oh, thank you, Colin. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Jeanette, thank you so much for your time. It was just, it's so lovely to, uh, you know, to, to chat with you. And it's also, it's so, so, so lovely to sort of be part of your, part of your journey. Um, you know, we met uh, um, doing some uh, courses through um, Progressive Property and, um you Know a lot of it based around you know not by podcasting but also becoming better speakers, and, and 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 I know that's something that you're really passionate about and something that I want to get better and better and better at. And um, and and sort of to, to know that I've had an influence over, over you getting your podcast up and running is something I'm really really proud of. So uh, you know, so good on you, you know, that's absolutely great. But it was really great to to just listen to some of the things that you had to say, and 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 you know, and I think for me, you know, you talked a lot about uh. You know about getting getting a plan in place and, and and being in a position to know exactly where you are and where you want to be and and then putting those uh, those steps in place to that journey those those strategic bridges whatever it may be to actually uh, to actually become successful. And I think you know whether it's health and safety or financial or environmental quality or whatever it may be, you know having that plan, having that process, and, and being able to um, you know sort of put in place the the bits and pieces that you need to do maybe. Bite sized chunks of what you need to do to start to become successful is, is really important. Um, I love what you talked about, you know, from a diversity and inclusion perspective. And I, you know, I'm a really strong believer that, you know, that the health and safety industry is very, very much dominated by middle aged white men. And, um, and, you know, and we need to, to get younger people involved in this sector. We need to get people from all, um, you know, all ethnicities. Um, and we need, um, you know, we just need to become much, much more uh, approachable. I think as a, as an, as an industry, um, you know. So, you know, so maybe, you know, from the people at the top of, uh, you know, in, in some of our, our uh, institutions, maybe, maybe you need to be doing a little bit more to make it more, um, make it more approachable. But I think that really comes to the third point as well. When you said, you know, let's shake up some of the traditional views that are out there, and you know, whenever we can do that, whenever we can be part of something. That really does start to shake things up and start to to make things uh, be seen from a slightly different perspective and and maybe being aimed at the people much much more rather than just uh, the institutions. Then then that's got to be uh, that's got to be great. And uh, hey, you know, for people that are out there, you know, watch this space, you know, because me myself and uh, James McPherson at Rebranding Safety are really looking to uh, to shake uh, to shake things up. Anyway, look, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, we'd love to get you back on again at some point, Jeanette. Um, and, um, you know, if anybody's got any questions or want to put anything through, then please, uh, you know, please get in contact with us. Cheers now. Bye-bye.